God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Hello, Scott. So one of the trending hashtags on Twitter is, where is Peng Shuai? A Chinese tennis star, Peng Shuai hasn't been seen for 16 days and counting after she accused the CCP leader of sexual assault. Real cute Chinese girl. Uh, tennis star. Um, apparently, Xi can get away with murder if he wants to. He already has. And yet, we still bow to China. You know, I love it that we uh, were one of the f- first to be talking about Cantor, <clears throat> the Boston Celtics uh, Muslim player that uh, was really going, uh, you know, free Tibet, defending the Uyghurs. And now he's called out the king. The king. Uh, in this case, is that moron with a bag of rocks in his brain for brains, and that's uh, LeBron James. And um, LeBron James, you know, does nothing with his leadership role in the NBA to uh, advocate for human rights or, you know, basically he, he doesn't want to step on anything that could potentially harm the NBA's bottom line. Yet, you know, he's fireproof, you know, and who's going to fire, who's going to get rid of LeBron James? He has a powerful position, but he's too stupid to know it. That's the problem for LeBron James. And it's a shame. But I only bring up China because, you know, we've all been hearing about this great speech that um, Kevin McCarthy. Eight uh, and a half (laughs) hours yeah. And it was in opposition to President Biden's massive reconciliation spending bill. You know, some people sleep for eight and a half hours a day. Yeah, I mean, that is a very long speech. I'm right. wondering if he needs some cough drops now. Yeah. And then he also uh, started the day before that talking about Gozar, mm-hmm. you know, uh, basically uh, calling out the hypocrisy of. Uh, but, you know, Lisa Bo- Bohart, Bobert, uh 
the one, the uh, congresswoman that we played a clip from her yesterday, and she uh, basically was talking about how Eric Swalwell slept with a Chinese spy named Fang Fang. And, oh yeah, remember that? And news? she was talking about Ilhan Omar uh, married uh, a guy other than uh, not the, not her brother, not that marriage, but but the other one, and and then they cut her mic as she was running out of time. Well, here's something that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, roommates with Frank Luntz, though, by yeah. the way, yeah, still takes handouts from uh, Big Tech. Um, so I'm not a big fan of Kevin McCarthy. And it ever does, if it ever does come up to where, you know, who's going to be speaker, it's got to be someone uh, more of the same cloth as Jim Jordan. I almost think that Jim Jordan's too valuable to be a speaker. Yeah, you could use Um, him otherwise. Yeah, as a a committee leader in several cases. Um, But there are other leaders, um, like Gozar, for example, or or Marjorie Taylor Greene, for that matter, you know, that uh, could be committee leaders as well. But there's a lot of other patriots in the uh, House of Representatives. Not the 13 rhinos we actually named at the end of the show yesterday, but the um, but there are a lot of other great patriots in the in the House of Representatives. Um, and then we are going to get we're going to talk briefly about the uh, big spending bill. That thing still has to go through the Senate uh, before it's ever approved. A long way to go for that. But in any case, here's Kevin McCarthy calls out Democrats for rejecting an amendment prohibiting funds from going to the Chinese Communist Party. I'm serious. This is an amendment that the Democrats rejected. It's unbelievable. Let's take a listen. Now, her amendment that would prohibit funds from going to entities tied to the Chinese Communist Party. Come on! Seriously! I'm serious. This is an amendment. That was rejected. He, you know, I got to say, he seems a little punchy there in that clip. Yeah, just a tad. Uh, I think that's that was during his uh, eight and a half hour rant. Yeah, I think after speaking for about eight and a half hours, maybe at a certain point, he you start a going a little punchy. AWOL. A little, little bit punchy. Yeah, so um, in any case, the person who reported the Chinese tennis star was Jack Posobiec. Yeah. Yeah, he, he reported that. But... Um, I got to tell you, um, we we have bowed to China for too long. We really have to fight back uh, against all this. Um, but, you know, there are two th- other things that are trending these days. One is there's a lot of talk about um, the Durham report. You know, and, and in one sense, you, you almost think, that's old news, right? What good is it now? Yeah. You know, we needed that report when Trump was president. Of course. You know, otherwise, you know, it would have helped Trump probably even overcome the the, the rigged machines. But it, it it can still be helpful now. Maybe not as helpful as it would have been then. You know, it, I mean, it's great to find out you were right after the fact. But yeah, well, Catherine Herridge is all over this. You know, Catherine Herridge, who used to be with Fox yes, News, yes. is now with. CBS. She's still doing really great research. Well, she retweeted something that she posted in December 21st, 2019. But just an hour ago, she writes this. The ICA 
has been a significant area of interest Durham in, uh, for Durham in, in addition to media circular reporting. And then she says in all caps, why, did, why it still matters. December 16th, Steele dossier unverified by January 2017. Primary source discredited the claims, but dossier uh, still used to obtain FISA surveillance warrant. So how how did a discredited dossier still go, be able to move forward to obtain the FISA surveillance? I mean, that's the big question. Right. And why so, did that happen? Yeah, and in December 21st, 2019, she wrote, I.G. Horowitz, McCabe. Remember, um, we said, Cash Patel said, all roads lead to McCabe. I.G. Horowitz writes, or, or is said, McCabe gave three reasons Steele dossier should be included the 2017 Russian intel assessment. President Obama had requested everything relevant uh, FBI confidence, Steele widely circulated government and media circles. Page 179, McCabe does not prevail, Durham, FISA. So... Basically, it's a cryptid message because she's trying to fit it all in 240 characters. Um, but it's still relevant because, you know, this could be a huge house of cards just waiting to crumble. And I wanted to play um, this part right here. It says, never forget that the mainstream media promoted the Democrat-funded Russian propaganda. Let's take a listen. Parts of the now infamous dossier on Trump have proven to be true. I know the history of the dossier, but it hasn't been discredited. In fact, it's been the opposite. It's been corroborated. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. This discredited dossier, which was paid for, paid for. Your intel community has corroborated all of the details in there, the meeting. Some of the substantive content of the dossier, we were able to corroborate in our intelligence community assessment, which Mm. from other sources in which we had very high confidence. We know that with the FISA application, the relevant parts of Christopher Steele's dossier were corroborated. If the application included information from the dossier, it would only be after the FBI had, in fact, corroborated information through its own investigation. We also know that as time goes on, more and more parts of the Steele dossier get corroborated. So when the president just refers to it as fake dossier, James Clapper. I don't think that's that, that is the accurate characterization for the entirety of the dossier. Clear investigators have corroborated CNN. part of the uh, dossier. Yeah. I see it has been corroborated by the intelligence community. U.S. investigators have corroborated some of the allegations in that dossier. Yes. Although we do know that parts of it have been corroborated. It's not been corroborated, but it hasn't been disproven either. Is there anything in the dossier that has been disproven? No. But not one thing has been disproven. No major thing from the dossier has been conclusively disproven. To date, none of it has been disproven. And whole big parts of it are holding up. The dossier um, holds up well. None of it has been disproven. All of the allegations in it, I don't know that anything has been disproven. It's a fact that none of it, not one word, has been disproven. In fact, a lot of it turned out to be right on the money. Former high-ranking intelligence officials have told us on the record that there is nothing in the Steele dossier that they know to have been disproven. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Do you not accept that I they, don't agree with that, Alice. This is our reporting, and this is what um, 
this is what crime fighting agencies have said, that the FBI would not have just taken a dossier to the FISA court and used that as their predicate for the surveillance. They had to corroborate it themselves. That's how they operate. So that's that's exactly why it is that our libtard friends yeah. that seem to think that somehow Trump was colluding with the Russians. Yeah. They got all their news from CNN and MSNBC. Yeah. And these people won Pulitzer Prizes. Yeah. Now, Trump recently basically, uh, well, Trump recently just said, Pulitzer, you need to pull those Pulitzer Prizes. Yeah, you do. You need to pull them. If you you want to have any credibility whatsoever going forward. If it was based on false information, if you won an award for accuracy and reporting on something and you were not accurate, I mean, that's just a no-brainer. It should be pulled. It should be set as an example. No. It's like, think about it. You do, you, you know, uh, you have a, the Olympics or you have some other type of athletic competition. If it's discovered that you were cheating, you, you, or you, lose, you, you lose your medal, and right? that's exactly why there's a Republican in Wisconsin that wants to resend the uh, election results yeah. in terms of the certification yeah. in Wisconsin. They're also uh, pushing for that in Arizona. Yeah. And in Pennsylvania, they're finding fraud. There's a new whistleblower. Yeah. Uh, that has come forward. There's a lot of audio and video associated with this whistleblower. And this is all new, folks. And then Georgia. Georgia, we know, is riddled with fraud. And Mark Elias was very well connected with um, not only Coomer, the uh, top tech exec over at Dominion, but also working with Mark Elias and Stacey Abrams. Yeah. And that's why Stacey Abrams is considered a bit of a hero right now. Because she pulled off almost the unthinkable, which was... And you know how they did that, by the way, in Georgia? How? You know how they did that? A lot of people don't talk about this angle. There's a lot of reasons why they pulled it off. It was all kinds of fraud. Um, But one of the ways they did that is they compromised the Republicans that were in power. Mm-hmm. See, Georgia is a Republican state. It's a red state. Mm-hmm. It has no business voting... For Joe Biden. Right. You know, look at Joe Biden now with the lowest poll numbers he's ever seen. Yeah. 36% today. Yeah. A new Quinnick PX poll came out. It's 36. amazing. And you and I were talking off air about how that's only going to get worse because if people experience uh, some negative uh, things during Christmas because, say, presents don't get there fast enough because of supply chain issues, or if we continue to have more problems or with more the border inflation. or well, and more, more inflation, and you know, more, if more of these things continue to come to surface over the next uh, month, he's going to plummet even oh, more. Yeah, the holiday season is going to spell disaster for the Biden administration because, see, unlike unlike Trump, the only reason why Trump ever had bad poll numbers was because he was polarizing to the left and half the country hated him. Uh, for For what reason, I have no idea, really, because when you looked at it, all of his numbers... All of his results, they hated it for him. They they hated Trump because he was so successful. And he did it with ease. You know, he stopped the flood coming through the southern border. He created peace in the Middle East. You know, he um, basically got rid of ISIS overnight, right? And, And then, you know, he had record numbers in terms of employment, productivity, GDP, uh, labor participation. Yeah. You know, you name it. And Trump basically had an answer for it. And Trump answered his own questions. 
You know, one thing about the uh, Patriot Awards that Fox News put on yeah. the, the other day? Yeah. Uh, I heard today that when DeSantis took the stage, it was DeSantis Speaks or DeSantis Talks. That's it. He didn't have a teleprompter, you know, and he never does. He's very authentic. I have the best DeSantis clip. They call it The Savage. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. When he was in Brandon. and wh- Why Brandon? You mean Brandon, Florida? <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, they have a pretty good high school wrestling team down right, there. Yeah. But um, a lot of good kids come out of Brandon, Florida in terms of wrestling. But um, no, Brandon, you know, let's I go I get Brandon, it. Let's right? go Brandon instead of the other thing uh, with uh, Biden's name in it. Well, before we get to that, we're going to finish up this Durham thing yeah. with a, uh, you know, um, Maria Bartiroma had this last weekend with Cash Patel. We've been making references to it all week, you know, how all roads... Cash Patel says all roads lead to McCabe. But this is really a great clip that I want to play. Now, it's a YouTube clip that I'm using the audio from. And so there's going to be some commercial breaks. I'm going to have to catch them. And it's just a nuisance. Um, I I really can't stand YouTube, frankly. I can't believe I'm still using it. But it's where some of the stuff is available. And I want to play this clip. So I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, clip. It's actually... Little on the long side, but that's why we're going to be rushing today's show to get through all the topics that we want to talk about. So here we go. To the Brookings Institute. This is Devin Nunes. Uh, which, for those of your viewers who don't know what this is. By the is, way, how often do I talk about the Brookings Institute around Frequently here? enough. I talk about the Brookings Institute all the time. And here is Devin Nunes talking about Brookings Institute being the heart of the, all the pieces that were going on with regard to this Russian hoax. I'm going to even rewind that and let you hear that again. Look, when I talk about the Atlantic Council and the Brookings Institution and all these different groups, you know, I am not kidding. We, we, we are here in Washington. I know the players here. And I'm telling you, this is a cesspool for anti-America. You know, basically what's running the White House right now are basically think tankers from the Brookings Institute. Yeah. And they're all connected. They all have their drinks together. They all go to their house parties. And they all are running the government. And uh, with that, we're going to go. I'm just giving myself a little uh, toot, toot of the horn there, pat on the back <laughs> about the Brookings Institute, because I've been talking about that for a long time. Institute. Here we go. Uh, which, for those of your viewers who don't know what this is, this is like the prominent left-wing think tank uh, here in our nation's capital. And we think there is a connection mm-hmm. between the president of Brookings and those dossiers that were given to the State Department that mirrored the Steele dossiers, which, look, all of this, what, what does this mean? This, this was the Clinton campaign's dossiers. It was the dirt. It was a phony story uh, that they sold not only to the American people, but they sold it and corrupted our FBI, where it appears like these dirty cops were more than willing to take this information and present it to, to the FISA court. Yes, that was Congressman Devin Nunes on this program back in 2020, exposing direct links between the Brookings Institute and Christopher Steele's uh, fabricated dossier, which was bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton and her campaign and the Democratic National Committee. Last week, Steele's primary subsource, Igor Danchenko, uh, who was also an analyst at Brookings, was arrested and charged with five counts of lying to the FBI. The third indictment in special counsel John Durham's probe He has since pleaded not guilty. My next guest took the depositions of several of the players who were pushing the phony Russia collusion lie 
former Pentagon chief of staff, Cash Patel, joins me right now. He, along with Devin Nunes, cracked open this case uh, three, four years ago. Cash, it's good to see you this morning in a snowy Pennsylvania. Great looking shot there. <laughs> Great to Great look. Great to be with you, Maria. Thanks so much for having me from Happy Valley. So, Cash, connect the connect the dots for us. You heard Devin talking about the Brookings Institute. I'll bring up the graphic of Durham's indictment of Denchenko uh, talking about Denchenko working as an analyst at uh, at Washington based bank uh, think tank, which is the Brookings Institute, where he focused on Russia and Eurasian geopolitical matters. Uh, tell me about the connection uh, that Denchenko had in Brookings. Yeah, that's a great starting point. And let's front load the conversation, Maria. Uh, John Durham issued uh, subpoenas to the Brookings Institute. I don't think most of America knows that, but he actually issued federal grand jury subpoenas for documentation, which we now know he used in his indictment against Danchenko. And who was Danchenko? Danchenko was Fiona Hill's former research assistant. Who is Fiona Hill? The world probably remembers. She's the one who conjured up the Ukraine impeachment fiasco. Um, in her time at the White House. And why is she important? Fiona Hill connected Danchenko to Christopher Steele. A political operative in the White House connected Christopher Steele to his primary source and allowed her to get all this false information into the FBI. How does that relate to Charlie Dolan? Fiona Hill also connected Charlie Dolan, the Clinton ally operative, to now Danchenko, the indicted individual under Sussman, under Durham whose uh, documentation was recovered by John Durham, thankfully, through his lawful and appropriate use of federal subpoenas. And I think he's got a lot more coming. John Durham, over a thousand other uh, documents that have not yet been declassified that I know uh, uh, include intelligence that goes specifically to um, this criminal activity that would be the basis for further indictments. And, you know, again, uh, what happened with the Steele dossier um, a grand jury is saying was criminal in nature. And I expect that all of the folks um, that are involved uh, with creating it and peddling it falsely uh, would be in, 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 in jeopardy. I'm going to. And, th- and think about think about how they uh, got the uh, FISA warrants from all this as well. Former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, with me last week on this program on what he declassified, which, of course, exposed uh, that this dossier and whole Russia collusion lie was a fabrication from Hillary Clinton. I am back with Cash Patel right now. And Cash, we mentioned Fiona Hill making all of these introductions uh, to Christopher Steele as as well as uh, Charles Dolan. Uh, Meanwhile, she says she has no idea what they were doing. Here is a quote from her from a closed door testimony from October of 2019, saying, I have no knowledge whatsoever of how he developed that dossier. None. I just want to state that. What are your thoughts on this? And, And give us your sense of the three indictments we've seen so far and where this is going. Yeah, real quick on Fiona Hill. I think John Durham is on the case here because Fiona Hill has a credibility problem. I believe she lied to Congress there under oath. She connected the main Clinton political operative who Devin and I had never heard of because DOJ and FBI withheld those documents from us intentionally, I believe so. And now John Durham has exposed that. She connects the steel operation to the Democratic Party and she has the gall to go on national TV or to close her testimony and say, I don't know what's going on with steel. But John Durham's on that case and I think we're going to get there. 
As to the three indictments that John Durham has issued, I believe he's built a sort of triangle of indictments, as I call them. At the top of the pyramid, you have Sussman, who represents an indictment of the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, the law firm, and Fusion GPS, funneling tens of millions of dollars to perpetuate the biggest fraud in American history into the FBI. The bottom two pillars of the Durham triangle, I believe, are the FBI's, John Durham's indictment of the FBI attorney, which is literally an indictment of the FBI and now a criminal conviction for lying to a federal court to perpetuate a fraud and get a FISA warrant falsely. The last leg of the Durham Triangle comes in the form of his recent indictment of Danchenko. Who's Danchenko and why does it matter? Danchenko is Steele's main source introduced to Steele by Fiona Hill, who Steele relied on to write his dossier in which he said he, Steele, received credible information from Danchenko. We now know Danchenko's a liar. We also know because of the Durham investigation, Danchenko provided no credible information to Christopher Steele. So he has now been, his credibility has been destroyed and these merchants of menace are finally coming to light uh, thanks to John Durham's great work. And he's got a long way to go. And I'm glad he's getting the indictments, excuse me, the information that Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray intentionally withheld from Chairman Nunes in our investigation during Russiagate Pro. So uh, on, on the Kevin Kleinsmith indictment, this is the FBI attorney. Uh, does it end there or are we going to see a road to others in the FBI perhaps uh, getting arrested for directing Kevin Kleinsmith? This is a young guy uh, who obviously changed paperwork uh, to say that Carter Page was not an asset of the CIA when, in fact, he was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, I think all roads lead to Andy McCabe, the former deputy director of the FBI, who was caught lying three times by the inspector general during his tenure there. Kevin Kleinsmith, the mid-level FBI attorney, cannot pull off the greatest political scandal in history alone. He needs direction from his supervisors. He's a convicted felon. He doctored a, a piece of paper for the FISA court. And I, as a former national security prosecutor who did FISAs, know how horrendous and how egregious that type of conduct is. But more importantly, I know that it cannot be done alone. It is virtually impossible to get that information to a federal judge for a secret surveillance warrant without the deputy director of the FBI knowing it. And I think all roads lead to Andy McCabe, his credibility is in question, not to mention that of Peter Schrock, Lisa Page and Andy McCabe, who orchestrated the insurance policy to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. Mm. That's their own text messages. Real quick, real quick before you go, you took the deposition of Jake Sullivan, as I keep saying on this program and have for some time. Those who abuse power are now in power. Jake Sullivan was the uh, communications person for Hillary Clinton. Uh, a manager for her. Now he is uh, working for Joe Biden uh, at the NSA. Uh, he said he put out a tweet and a uh, post uh, back in October of 2016. Listen to this. This could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow. Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to the Russian-based bank. Here is his post that Hillary Clinton then tweeted out. Jake Sullivan was peddling and spreading the dossier. He was, and he has the gall to come into Congress. And uh, as you mentioned, I took so many of those depositions and say he had no idea, like Fiona Hill, how the dossier was created or who the $10 million Jake Sullivan and the DNC were paying was being utilized to collect foreign intelligence fraudulent information. So I think John Durham's on his case. And Maria, wouldn't it be the irony of all ironies for the current national security prosecutor to, to get charged with an actual felony based on real information and fact? 
and not have this Department of Justice withhold exculpatory evidence like they did to the former national security advisor under Donald Trump. I think that's the accountability mm. that the American public so desperately need. And I think that's where this yep. road is going and where John Durham's taking us. So stay tuned. I think we're only 60 to 70 percent of the way there. Hey, you know, that's a really interesting thing. And you know what else? Um, it makes me actually reevaluate my own in, anal, analysis with respect to um, Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. Now, I uh, complained uh, at the time when Bill Barr called Durham a special counsel. He uh, deemed Durham's investigation a special counsel. And I said, yeah, you know, I was upset about it. And I said, he probably did that so Trump couldn't release any information. But what I didn't know at the time is, you know, because a special counsel, when it's a special counsel, the president's hands are tied as to how much information he can release to Mm -hmm. the public or what have you. And remember, Rick Grinnell was on it. Um, uh, um, And then the congressman that became the DNI guy, Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe, uh, Ratcliffe, John Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe um, was on it and... Uh, so and then Cash Patel, he was former DOD intelligence officer, um, who you just heard. Yeah. But um, now I understand that Durham wasn't not even he wasn't even close. He wasn't even very he was not very close mm-hmm. to wrapping this up. And I'm, you wonder why it takes so long. But you know these people are holding all the keys. Right. That you're trying to go after. You're going after some of the most powerful people in the world. Yeah. Not just in, in Washington, but I mean, really, they, they have connections all over the world. In fact, um, what was it? Uh, they were talking about Biden. Uh, or no, it was Fauci. Fal- when Fauci put his uh, secret phone call together, um, he basically was putting it together. With a whole bunch of foreigners, not Americans, right? And he was leaving, um, leaving uh, the Trump administration out, you know, to dry mm-hmm. in, in terms of the the cover up. Uh, that's where we're going to go next. Uh, before we do, I want you to listen to DeSantis. This will be a nice little break. DeSantis uh, basically um, was talking about the lockdowns. You know, they're, they're the uh, cruise industry is now going after five-year-olds. You know, it's interesting. I wrote a piece about the cruise industry last year when this first started and what the precautions were that they were going to take. But with going after the five-year-olds, that's the Disney cruise, who the market... You know, the people who want to go on it is our children. The parents that pay for this are paying for it because their children want to be on these cruises. This is this is atrocious. I mean, that this is happening. It's going to divide families in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. Um, because there's going to be uh, husbands and wives uh, fighting over whether or not to get the kid vaccinated. Um, if they come from different political pr- persuasions, perhaps. Um, and it's going to result in uh, children not having the experience of a lifetime. Um, that they uh, could have or or shouldn't have, either way you look at it. But here here's the thing. You know, Pete Hegseth made a really good point this morning when he was talking about. Um, he was like, you know, I could take it if the fight comes at me, and you know, I might even concede or make a concession. Right. But when it comes to my children, 
I'm not making any concessions. Exactly. And you know the other thing. When it comes to their health and unknown variables, like whether or not it's going to impact their reproductive uh, abilities uh, 15, 20 years from now, uh, you know, I'm not going to put, I am not going to play games. Uh, you put you put my children child under that kind of an ultimatum, and I'm going to fight back in a way that I probably would not have fought, fought back if it was just for myself. Absolutely, and I just wanted to make one other point: the fact that it's a cruise like Disney, which caters specifically to children, and they have the, the Disney characters. It's not like the parent can say, "Okay, we'll go on this other cruise." Yeah, they can say that, but the kids won't see the same characters, and they won't. And in the child's mind, it won't be the same thing. So it's like it's like saying to the child, "You can't have that toy." You well, know, you know, and uh, but you know, it's a capitalist. We live in a capitalist society. Somebody's going to come counteract it. <laughs> Somebody, uh, you know, Six Flags. Um, Bush Gardens. There'll be uh, or, or there will be somebody who comes up with something comparable. Uh, yeah, or um, what is it? Bush Gardens um, was the, the amusement park in Bush Gardens because they have one in Florida too. Uh, you're, you're you're talking about uh, um, uh, the it's it's a uh, this, the villages, yeah, not not the, the not the villages yeah. for the retirement community, yeah. but it's but it's like an international right. village. Right. I didn't know if there was a universal. Nature. No, I don't think there is. No. Um, but in any case, yeah, there's a lot of other entertainment companies that could really fill that void. And, you know, let's take a listen to DeSantis and see what he has to say about these uh, vaccine mandates. And he was asked by a reporter. So take a listen to this. So, first of all, this idea that somehow conservatism is about, like, local school boards, it's the United States of America, not the United School Boards or County Commissions of America. So the states, the states are the primary vehicles to protect people's freedoms, their health, their safety, their welfare in our constitutional system. What Biden is doing is not constitutional. There has never been, there has never been a federal vaccine mandate imposed on the general public. I hear people talk about, you know, they used they do things in the military. Yeah, when I was in the military. They used to give me all kind of stuff. Honestly, I wish I would have thought a little bit, but I mean, whatever it was. But that's much different than regulating the military and then imposing it on civilians in society. It's never been done before. It's not, they don't have the power to do it. There's no federal police power. States have the, the federal the, 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 the police power. So that's from a constitutional perspective. It is worlds, worlds apart. Now, some people say, hey, these local governments wanted to lock down businesses. They wanted to force mandates. They wanted to keep the kids locked out of school. Yeah, you're damn right I overruled them on that. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, you, you don't have right to, you don't have the right to do wrong. And if I had not stepped in last year and made sure that these local governments couldn't lock you down, couldn't mandate, we, get, we, we wouldn't let them fine. We had kids in school last yes, year because of you. me, right not because of them. And that's just the bottom line. And so people can say, is it the job of somebody that, that's elected 
to look out for the liberties of everyone in the state? Or do you just say, hey, if someone's violating your freedom, we shouldn't do anything? The fact of the matter is, if we would have let them lock the kids out of school oh last God, year, we would have paid the piper on that for years and years in this state. If we had let them lock down businesses and restrict and do all that, we would have one of the highest unemployment rates in the country. So. We had to stand out for people's liberties, their livelihoods, their right to work, people's right to own a business, and it was the right thing to do. But what Biden is doing, he does not have the, he even admitted he doesn't have the authority to do it. Though Saki admitted that they don't have the authority to do it. And in fact, even six months ago, they were all saying, of course you never mandate, of course you never mandate. And so the question is, do we actually have a constitution that constrains people like Biden? Or is it just when he loses patience, he can do whatever the hell he wants to? No, I'll take the constitution. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, folks. Yep. You know, hey, here's the thing. You know, he's right. And Biden can't say a doggone thing because you know what? All they have to do is go back and look at the yeah. tape. He said when he was president-elect which I don't even want to put the word president in front of him. Uh, not only is he unpresidential, but he never won. There's no way that guy got 81 million votes. Right. He's at 36% in the polls, and his backup is at 28% in the polls and, 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 and thinks that somehow she can tell scientists about hypotheses with a slightly French accent. Well, she she did it in a demeaning accent. She wasn't really even, she, it was almost like she was making fun of the French people. But what I want to say about Biden is, you know what he's doing uh, on Friday? He is uh, getting a physical. And then Today, I, yeah. Yeah, and his birthday is uh, is um, oh, Saturday. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So he turned 79. So we're going to be hearing a lot about we will be hearing a lot or we won't be hearing a lot about Biden's physical, depending on what yeah. what happens. You know what? Um, he just needs to go. You know, <laughs> I don't wish him I don't wish him ill health. But, hey, just leave. You're not you're not equipped. Everybody knows he's not capable of doing the job. Yeah. You know, he can't even speak in complete sentences without reading a teleprompter. You take DeSantis, for example. He never uses a teleprompter. Donald Trump was 10 times better without a teleprompter. So we're going to switch gears and we're going to go to uh, recently Fauci dressed down. Um, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Rand Paul dressed down Fauci. And this was actually related to gain of function. And uh, there's a lot of proof to this. But we're going to take a listen to this clip. I know I, I, I really don't love playing clips. I know people you know, often want to hear uh, Scott Adams speak on the Scott yeah. Adams show. But uh, sometimes we get bundled up with a lot of clips and I have a lot of energy. It's not like there was a before I was, you know, before I went in for surgery and all these other things, there was a couple of days where I literally played some clips because I didn't have the energy to speak. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case here. These are just clips that I've run across. that I just totally want to share with uh, the listener. And this is one of them. So let's take a listen. Proved of NIH funding for gain-of-function research in Wuhan. But your repeated denials have worn thin, and a majority of Americans, frankly, don't believe you. Even the NIH now admits that EcoHealth Alliance did perform experiments in Wuhan that created viruses not found in nature that actually did gain in lethality. 
The facts are clear. The NIH did fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan, despite your protestations. You can deny it all you want, but even the Chinese authors of the paper, in their paper, admit that viruses not found in nature were created, and yes, they gained in infectivity. Your persistent denials, though, are not simply a stain on your reputation, but are a clear and present danger to the country and to the world. As Professor Kevin Esfeldt of MIT has written, gain-of-function research looks like a gamble that civilization can't afford to risk. And yet here we are again with you steadfast in your denials. Why does it matter? Because gain-of-function research with laboratory-created viruses not found in nature could cause a pandemic even worse the next time. We're suffering today from one that has a mortality of approximately 1%. They're experimenting with viruses that have mortalities of between 15 and 50%. Yes, our civilization could be at risk from one of these viruses. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with known pandemic-causing viruses are incredibly risky. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with coronaviruses that have as much as 50% mortality could endanger civilization as we know it. And here you sit, unwilling to accept any responsibility for the current pandemic and unwilling to take any steps to prevent gain-of-function research from possibly unleashing an even more deadly virus. You mislead the public by saying that the published viruses could not be COVID. Well, exactly no one is alleging that. No one is alleging that the published viruses by the Chinese are COVID. What we are saying is that this was risky type of research, gain-of-function research. It was risky to share this with the, with the Chinese and that COVID may have been created from a not-yet-revealed virus. We don't anticipate the Chinese are going to reveal the virus if it came from their lab. You know that, but you continue to mislead. You continue to support NIH money going to Wuhan. You continue to say you trust the Chinese scientist. You appear to have learned nothing from this pandemic. Will you today finally take some responsibility for funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator, with all due respect, I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. Gain, first of all, gain of function is a very nebulous term. We have spent, not us, but outside bodies, a considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. You are aware of that. That is called P3CO. We're aware that you deleted gain of function okay. from the NIH well, website. Well, I can get back to that in a moment if we have time. But let's get back to the operating framework and guide rails of which we operate under. And you have ignored them. The guidelines are very, very clear that you have to be dealing with a pathogen that clearly is shown and very likely to be highly transmissible in an uncontrollable way in humans and to have a high degree of morbidity and mortality and that you do experiments to enhance that, hence the word EPPP, -P -P, enhanced pathogens of potemic, potential So when EcoHealth Alliance took the virus, well, SHC014 and combined it with WIV1 and caused a recombinant virus that doesn't exist in nature and it made mice sicker, mice that had humanized cells, you're saying that that's not gain-of-function research? According to the framework 
and guidelines. So what you're doing is defining a way gain of function. No. You're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the NIH website. This is terrible, and you're, you're completely trying to escape right. the idea that we should do something about trying to prevent a pandemic from leaking from a lab. There's the preponderance of evidence now points towards this coming from the lab, and what you've done is changed the definition right. on your website to try to cover your ass, basically. That's what you've done. You've changed the website okay. to try to have a new definition that doesn't include the risky research that's going on. Until you admit that it's risky, we're not going to get anywhere. You have to admit that this research was risky. The NIH has now rebuked them. Your own agency has rebuked them. But that's, the thing is, is you're still unwilling to admit that they gained in function when they say they became sicker. They gained in lethality. It's a new virus. That's not gain of function. According to the definition that is currently <laughs> operable, you know, Senator, let's one. make it clear for the people who are listening. The current definition was done over a two to three year period by outside bodies, including the NSABB, two conferences by the National Academy of Science, Engineering and Medicine on December 2014, March 2016. We commissioned external risk-benefit assessment, and then on January of 2017, the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House issued the current policy. And coincidentally, I, I have coincidentally not the definition any appeared definition. on the same day the NIH said that, yes, there was a gain of function in Wuhan, the same day the definition appeared, the new definition, to try to define away what's going on in Wuhan. Until you accept it, until you expect, accept responsibility, we're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit well, that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. Th thank you, Senator Paul, and I would like um, to give the time to Dr. Fauci. Yeah, well, there were so many... You know, that's a very, very powerful uh, position. Now, what's, what's uh, interesting about that is that whole thing about changing definitions. I have an, a whole other clip that I could play. I'm not going to play it because... Now, now there is another Rand Paul um, that talks about the deception, the, the deceiving um, part. Um, it's a different a day. It's a different. Uh, this one was just this week, but um, then there was uh, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan was basically talking about uh, the lot, the emails that were presented as a FOIA request, uh -huh. and they were talking about these secret meetings. And again, they came out with a consensus as to what gain of function was and whether or not uh, that was taking place, uh, whether or not this was evolutionary or natural, you know, organic. And, um, and so they all got on board with the same page. But a lot of American scientists were not included. The only American was Dr. Fauci. And yeah. there was a whole bunch of other foreign, foreign people. Let's see, this uh, clip, yeah, it's still way too long. Um, some of these clips are way too long. But in any case, because uh, we have a lot of different clips, we have something related to Merrick Garland, too, that yeah. we wanted to get into today with Jim Jordan. Um, that one I think I can play. Uh, but we're going to move on from the COVID thing. What Fauci was up to, though, was, you know, basically the same thing. They're rewriting the laws. You know, I used to say 
um, I used to do work with this guy named Jim Giffen, right? And he was doing work with Nazarbayev in Kazakhstan. He's been a leader there for, you know, decades and decades now. Uh, it's, a, it's a communist state at this point. And uh, one rule, you know, for so long, they, they say they have elections, but they don't. Um, but whenever they had a law that was uh, acting as a roadblock, to whatever it is that they were doing, they would simply just change the law. Mm-hmm. And so Biden does that with executive orders. You know, if something is in the way, he could just change the laws uh, through executive orders, executive fiat. Obama was the grand master of this. A lot of people say, well, Trump did a lot of it too, but Trump was basically re- re- reversing all of the damage that Obama mm-hmm. did. And now, of course, Biden is just on steroids with executive orders. He's so few of the policies that we're seeing play out that are draconian or with regard to COVID or are absolutely ridiculous with regard to open borders. So so many things that this government is doing is not being passed by Congress. So there's no representation with regard to the actions that are taking place. Now, I want to move on because there is this whistleblower um, in terms of threat tags and parents being deemed as as terrorists. So Jim Jordan addresses this. I had two Jim Jordan clips, but I'm looking at the clock and I'm I'm telling you seriously, we will never get there. But we can get to this one. So um, in terms of uh, there's there's about 10 more minutes worth of Mm -hmm. stuff we can cut. We could get into regarding Fauci, covid and a lot of the um, criminal behavior that's going on there. But let's move on to where the DOJ, the Department of Justice, is treating, uh, treating parents as, as uh, terrorists by uh, 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 issuing them threat tags. Let's take a listen. October 21st, the Attorney General of the United States was in front of this committee and made this statement. Quote, I could not imagine any circumstance where parents are labeled domestic terrorists. One problem with that statement. The day before, the day before he said that to this committee, the House Judiciary Committee, the day before, there was an email sent to FBI agents around the country stating just the opposite. Email sent from the counterterrorism division of the FBI, treating parents, labeling parents, categorizing parents as a threat tag for simply showing up at school board meetings and speaking their mind, objecting to a racist hate America curriculum. They're getting labeled. And we know this. We know this because of a brave whistleblower who came forward 24 hours ago. We have this information. And if the gentleman from North Carolina, my colleague, Mr. Bishop, had been able to make his inquiry of the chairman, was not recognized by the chairman, even though this happened, even though it calls into question whether the attorney general misled the House Judiciary Committee with his comments that day. If he'd have been recognized, he was also going to point out that he had sent a letter to the Justice Department asking, what have you done as a result of that October 4th memo? No answer. We know what they did. They sent out this email to FBI agents saying spy on parents. 
but you wouldn't even recognize it. You wouldn't even recognize it. I mean, this scenario where on September 29th, a left-wing political organization writes the president of the United States saying, we want you to get the FBI involved in spying on parents, setting up a dedicated line of threat communication, a snitch line on parents. Five days later, a memo goes out. He comes and testifies. Looks like he said something that wasn't true to this committee. And the very next day, think about this. I've never seen this in all my time in Washington. The very next day, the organization that started this whole thing in progress, they apologize for the initial letter that started it all. They withdraw the letter. And you guys won't join us in wanting the. We need the attorney general back sitting right at that chair answering our questions. And you wouldn't even recognize the gentleman from North Carolina. I hope... I hope the majority understands how serious this is. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of something we all went through 10 years ago. This reminds me of when the IRS targeted people. Remember that? And then it wasn't yep. called a threat tag. Then it wasn't called a terrorist tag. No, then it was called the BOLO list. Be on the lookout list. If you said the wrong thing in this country, the IRS, Lois learned the IRS put you on a list. Much like what we see the FBI doing now, thanks to this brave whistleblower who came forward. So we're going to discuss some of that issue today as well, Mr. Chairman. And I know we have an important piece of legislation in front of us. And I again want to say thanks to the people who came yesterday and testified. It was compelling and powerful. No one should ever feel the way those victims felt, that they, they had been wrong, they had no real recourse. The expert testimony we heard yesterday that arbitration is generally a well-functioning mechanism for dispute re resolution was also important. We're going to move on from that. I will say this. Uh, Loudoun County and folks like that, that, that these parents, yeah. are owed a debt of gratitude. They for. are absolutely owed a debt of gratitude. Now, I, I want to just uh, say one thing about the Rittenhouse thing. I, I imagine we're going to get some sort of, if they're going to be working over the weekend, then we might hear something. We should also mention about the the judge uh, banning MSNBC. Yeah, well, that's I think people know that. Yeah, I mean it's but, I mean I think that's I'm 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 glad yeah, he did that. Yeah, um, we're, yeah absolutely. Um, and here's the thing I want to say uh, before we run out of time. We're really out of time. Um, is uh, I believe at this point there's a hung jury going on. Maybe. Um, there's no way it lasts this long and it's not hung. Yeah. I think you have political people that are du have dug in on each side and they just won't relent. And I think that you're, you know, if you can't get 12 angry men, you know, mm -hmm. 12, you know, uh, we're quoting a movie, but of if we can't get um, 12 people to agree, uh, you need all 12 people to yeah. agree. That's yeah. how you get to it. Exactly. And I don't believe that's ever going to happen here. And then I think because uh, the judge said, well, regarding um, the withholding of evidence, the video evidence, they said, basically, I just got this information. I can't make a ruling. But more than likely, it might be a mistrial with prejudice. So yeah. that's another angle, too. And then, you know, let the chips fall where they may uh, and uh, let the criminals tear the place down I, this time I hope the police do their job uh, but you know we're out of time you can hear the music right here in the background we've muted it but uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams show and with that my name is Scott Adams my name is Leonor Cravetta and we'll see you next time on the radio bye bye everybody I'm from a small town in Tennessee a long way from the suits in D.C. but close enough now to see this mess 
where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.